you. Um, so we are diving back into our identity series tonight after a few weeks kind of away from that. Some really cool stuff's been happening in the life of our church family. But we've got a, we've got a fun one tonight. We've got some, uh, some decent chat. Um, so what we're going to do, I'm literally going to start from the top with the verse. Um, if you have a Bible, then you'll find it. It's in Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. And if you don't, is it cool, Tom, are you able to hand out Bibles to anyone who pops their hand up and wants one? Um, so yeah, Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So, I want to start tonight by talking about the idea of being chosen, or the idea of choosing something. Um, I am not a particularly good decision maker. I bounce between two modes. I either take way too long to make a choice, and then the options disappear, or I jump into a thing way too quickly, uh, and I have serious regrets. I made a bad choice recently. Now, folks, several months ago, I bought a truly disgusting pair of shoes. Um, I do not use the word in that kind of ironic, cool way that we say words now, like sick and nasty. I mean these, cho- these shoes were properly awful, like really, really bad. It's like Nike, who designed the shoes, saw every single rule of fashion and design, and they decided to ignore all of them. But yet I went for them. The most common point of feedback I got from people as I was out and about was, ah, they're interesting. Uh, Another one was, ooh, wow. Um, And I'd like to say something kind of as a... Uh, education point for everyone. If you ever hear the word interesting in regards to like a kind of clothing or fashion choice, people aren't saying, oh, it's so interesting how all those colors and patterns are working together in such an aesthetically pleasing way. What they're saying is, it's really interesting to me what must have been going through your mind when you saw those and you thought (laughs) they're worth purchasing. They're awful. So the shoe I bought was the Nike Paul George II NCAA Tournament Colorway Edition. Any sneakerheads in the audience? No? Cool. Um, Well, guys, if anyone is interested in an interesting pair of shoes, they are up for sale on eBay as we speak. Six hours left in the window, not a single bid. Uh, (laughs) Please, please take them away from me. Um, So these shoes, let me just put some words out there to give you a kind of mental image. Imagine an all-white pair of shoes that then proceeded to be dunked into three separate buckets of paint. Then imagine there's a nice kind of silver strap right up the middle that glows in the dark so you can see when you're out at night. Then imagine on the heels they've got engraved mom with an O and pops on the other one. A very tasteful detail. And then imagine they are part woven, part plastic, and part fake white snakeskin leather. Not a joke. These are the shoes I purchased. They're revolting. Um, And when I was browsing online, 
I only saw them at a distance. I saw very little of these details, and I thought, eh, they're a bit loud, but I'll go for it. Um, cut two, a few weeks later. My delivery arrives. I'm very excited. I take them out of the box. I take the paper off. And out of my mouth come the words, oh, no. <laughs> Instantly, I knew I'd made a bad choice. Um, I chose a thing, actually, I didn't like. And now I regret it, uh, and I want to get rid of them. So... This sort of thing happens to me a lot. I could tell a hundred different stories like this. Recently, I purchased a blue silk varsity jacket, but we won't go there. Um, It will be dropping on eBay very soon too, though. Um, However, the conclusion that we can draw from this is that I have a track record of making bad choices. Thank goodness, then, that God doesn't make bad choices. Thank goodness that God chose me way before I chose him. What does that mean? So, the message translation of these verses puts it this way. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs in us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. He chose us before we chose him. Um, I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I kind of feel like those rubbish shoes. I feel a bit messy, I feel a bit confused, I feel across the board objectively not great. Um, Why would God choose us? And what does it look like for God to choose us? I think we can answer both these questions in the same way. You know what the start of this passage makes me think of? Um, John 3.16. Possibly the most famous verse in the Bible. I'm going to read it out without even looking. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. Why would he choose you? Because he loves you. He's had his eye on you for ages. For a really long time. And I don't know what you think about yourself tonight. You might feel unlovable. You might feel unchoosable. Honestly, that doesn't matter. Um, We aren't the ones who qualify ourselves to be chosen. He chooses us. He has already chosen us. He's not... Thank you very much. He's not unsure. He's not undecided. He's not regretful. He's already made the choice. He chooses all of us. I think um, sometimes in present day, we can look at the Bible and we think, we think of it almost purely in a kind of individual story between God's interaction between us and him rather than a bigger, far more cosmic story of God's interaction with his entire creation. But if you look at the words in this Ephesians passage, which I think will be up there again in a second, it's we, it's our, it's all, it's everything. It's not just you or I. This isn't just an individualistic message. In fact, I'm not even sure if culturally people of the time thought in the same individualistic way that we do now. But I'm certain when we look at these words that we aren't just to think of the stuff on purely a me level. It's, it's partly a me level. But this is way broader language. This is universal language. This is Paul saying to the Ephesian church, this stuff isn't just for people of the Jewish heritage. It's for the whole world. So to go back to John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The whole flipping world. So whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever. A great word. Do you know what it means? Rhetorical question. Um, I know what it means. 
I've got an English degree, I know words. Uh, but I looked it up in the dictionary just to be sure. I looked it up in the Collins. And the two entries that it gives is that it means anyone and it means no matter who. It doesn't matter if you think that you're worth choosing. Because he does. He's already chosen you. The greatest action God ever took in sending his son to earth for us indicates that he really, really wants us. He loves us. All of us. And I'm conscious that maybe you've, like, been around the block church-wise. Um, maybe this stuff doesn't really stir you up. Maybe you've heard so often that, like, God loves you or that God's chosen you that you've almost just kind of been like, yeah, cool, put it aside, tick the box, lock it away. Can I, if that's you, like, can I just invite you tonight, like, take that thought and just, like, bring it back forward and re-examine it? Um, what does that say for us as, like, as actual people, that, that God loves us? Despite all the things we don't love about ourselves, despite all the ways that we think we're inadequate, despite all the ways that the world can look super bleak and dark and messy, and that people can just be rubbish. God looks beyond that stuff. That stuff doesn't phase him. To him, we're worth loving. We're worth choosing at any cost. God chose all of us, whoever, as part of that. It's like those, um, I think Americans call them life preservers. I've always called them life rings, those things you get on boats and swimming pools and stuff. Um, it's like a big cosmic life ring that God has thrown out to all of his creation, not just one or two people. And he's saying to all of humanity, I choose you, I think you're worth saving. I've thrown the hoop, I've opened the door, I've built a bridge, just respond. In him we were chosen, in him we are chosen, in him we will always be chosen. It's not to do with us. We're always part of a grand plan from God who has worked out absolutely everything. We've just got to receive that. The invitation's out there. You can't send it back in the mail. Um, we're already on the guest list. You just need to RSVP, respond, s'il vous plaît. French. Um, so, first point of the night. Who are we? We're undeniably loved. And we're undeniably chosen. You can't do anything about that. Deal with it. Um, so let's let's move on. Can we get the verse back up? When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So let's look into this. You're marked in him with a seal. A seal. What is a seal? It's maybe not a term that we use much in our day-to-day lives really anymore. So I got on the internet, I did some research. A seal is actually something that you can find all over the world. Many, 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 many different varieties, shapes, and colors. Mostly, they prefer cold water, they'll feed on anything from fish to penguins, and they can live for up to 30 years. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, that was a little joke. <laughs> um, no, a seal... A seal is that melted wax stamp that you see on, like, old-fashioned movies, uh, on, like, letters or parcels or stuff. It's usually a picture or an inscription of some kind to mark who wrote the letter and who is sending the mail. 
A seal isn't really used by your everyday folk. Um, it would be used to demonstrate importance and official status, to show where the message was coming from and to tell people it was not to be messed with. The parcel is of great importance because of who is sending it, and it's sealed. So when it says in the verse, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that the very, very, very moment we chose to receive God, we're marked with a permanent and lasting seal that indicates we're his, that indicates we are of importance because of God. It's like a big chest tattoo saying, the Holy Spirit. And no matter what you do, folk can see it. Um, weird tattoo, by the way. Don't get that. And if you've got it already, sorry. Um, but the seal, the seal indicates that the Holy Spirit's with us, that a change has taken place and a change is taking place, and that we now in our very beings are signs to the rest of the world of this good news, that we're loved, chosen, part of a bigger story, part of God's plan. So, we're chosen, and we're sealed, marked with the Holy Spirit. Those are our first two points. But actually, it all boils down and connects to this final point. So let's recap the last verse. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Marked with the seal, the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Um, heads up, this is going to be a real weird segue. But, uh, I used to get real odd nightmares when I was growing up. Who's ever had the show up to school naked dream? I thought it was way more popular than that. Ah, oh, guys, okay. Well, I used to get it a lot. Um, I know people often say there's like a deeper meaning to dreams. I've got no idea what the meaning of that is. Um, I'm probably just scared of people seeing my willy. Um, <laughs> so, I had this dream a lot. Um, it always went the same way. I'd show up to school, St. Joseph's Primary RC, Shout out to any St. Joe's kids in the room. Um, and the only thing I'm wearing is my turquoise polo. For some reason, I'm in the school playground. The bell rings for class. I look down, I see the polo, and I think I'm all set. I'm like, ooh, what a smart boy. I'm good to go. But then I look a little bit lower. Oh no, where are my pants? Um, the dream version of me never once challenged the idea of why my parents dropped me off to school in this state. It was just, that was it. Um, which is a funny thing, dream logic. I think we always kind of ignore major stuff. But anyway, it's a few minutes till class, and I see my friends. And I start hiding behind trees, because I don't want to be seen, obviously. Um, and again, dream logic, this doesn't really make sense. But for some reason, every single time, I would find a towel, like around the playground, I wasn't finding towels on a daily basis in school, but they were always there in the dream. Um, that was the first thing I got. And then slowly but surely, I'd be like sneaking around the empty school corridors. I'd find a pair of socks. I'd find underwear. I'd find trousers. I'd find shoes. And then I'd find my like Navy school jumper. It was like all of my things had been kind of like 
spread out across the whole school, hidden by someone. But I'd always find all of it eventually. And I'd just walk into class, and nothing had happened. That was the end of the dream. But it was always that pattern. It was naked, then a towel, then slowly but surely, everything else came afterwards. towel was a guarantee of what else was to come. The towel was great. It was a really, really, really good towel. I was so grateful for that towel. Um, but it wasn't the whole thing. It was that first thing. It was a sign that I would get absolutely everything else along the way. The, uh, the body coverage I knew with the towel was really good. Um, but I knew so much more once I got the socks, once I got the shoes, once I got the uh, trousers, once I got the full school uniform. I knew so much more coverage. I did give you a heads up, it was going to be a weird segue, but this passage is like that, I think. Those show up to school naked dreams I used to have. That's what this is saying. When you received God, you receive the Holy Spirit, who is the first deposit and a guarantee of the full inheritance we're going to receive. Just like that towel was the first thing I got, and then everything else came every single time. And do you know what that means? I think that means that the moments of real peace you've known in your life, maybe that's the thing you're in now, maybe that's something that feels a while back, the moments of real joy, the moments of security, the moments of freedom, the moments of kind of fullness of life you're going to know so much more that's not the top level, everything gets cranked up to 11, that's just the first installment of the full inheritance of everlasting life with God this reminds me um, for some reason of the story of the prodigal son we're doing a real uh, greatest hits of the New Testament tonight and um, prodigal son for your own reference. It's in Luke 15. Uh, if you've not read it before, I thoroughly recommend you check it out. It's a real good one. But um, I'll just kind of gloss over the beginning and I'll spoil the ending for you. So there's a son. He says to his father, I want my full inheritance now. I'm not going to wait till you're dead. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Doesn't work out. Anyway, the son, the son who squandered his wealth, returns home to his father's house with an apology. He is begging to just come back as a servant. But instead, his father runs back to greet him and says, we're going to throw you a party, and here's my best robe. And actually, you know what? Here's a bunch of rings, and while I'm at it, here's some sandals. Undeserved lavishness was just poured out on him. And then he's welcomed back into the house, sees all of his kind of old friends and family, and he's welcomed up onto the dance floor and they just have like a big old party there's no shame there's no guilt he may have spent the inheritance he was first given but he comes home again and there's even more there's an abundance he comes home he gets a robe he gets a ring he gets some swish sandals then he gets a big meal then he gets a dance party there's so much more there than he thought he would get by coming home And in my kind of reflection on Luke 15, I've also been thinking about the later part of that verse, which is in verse 31. When the other son 
who had stayed behind, complains to his father and says, Dad, he squandered all of your wealth. Why is he getting back in like this? And the father answers, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And you know what? I actually don't think there's any difference in status between the two sons. One left, went all around the world, only to come crawling back, and the other stayed. The father wasn't like, cool, come back, have a party, but you're living in the basement from now on. What we know about the character of God says that actually that statement is just as true for both sons. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. I think that's the message. That's the inheritance. That's what's being guaranteed as still to come in this passage in Ephesians. It's God saying to all of us, the entire world, hey, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Come into the party. Experience joy. Have a robe. Have some rings. Have some sandals. And get out on the dance floor. I don't know where you're at tonight. But maybe... Um, like a bunch of us. Maybe we think we're worth nothing. But through God, we are worth an awful lot. He's got a place for us. He's got plans for us. He invited all of us into his family. There's an inheritance coming our way. And it's all signed, sealed, and delivered. And the passage closes with this. And I think, to be honest, the only responsible uh, sorry, the only appropriate response to this is pl- probably worship, right? That huge change of status. So um, this is maybe a bit unconventional what we do, but could you guys stand? I feel like it'd be really good if we actually just dive into some worship.